And now, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and I thank you for joining me today. I am very excited to introduce our guests, filmmaker Wendy Borman and Melissa Etheridge. They are two strong women who have used their God-given talent for storytelling to bring awareness about cannabis into the public eye. Having spent years of advocating myself, I often forget what it was like to feel that awkwardness talking to people about cannabis, especially when they didn't know. The stigma was like a dark fog that was hard to penetrate. And for a long time, I felt this twinge of uneasiness every time I'd hear from old friends who were astonished by my sudden interest in marijuana. Of course, invariably, I'd have to explain that I didn't suddenly become a stoner as if I really needed to justify or defend the reasons why I am such a staunch advocate. The last night while watching an amazing film titled Mary Jane's The Women of Weed, I was reminded of that sense of awkwardness. It wasn't until after eight years of researching and writing about cannabis that I even stepped foot into a dispensary. And with zero hands-on experience with marijuana, I found myself a little embarrassed to have to ask about the variety of delivery methods and just that sense of feeling like I just wasn't cool. I wasn't in the know. (laughs) Anyway, that is the topic of today's show. And I am absolutely delighted to introduce Wendy Borman. She's a multi-award winning film director and producer and founder of DVA Productions. Her recent projects include directing and producing the 10-time award-winning film, The Eyes of Thailand, which was narrated by Ashley Judd, and producing the big picture, Rethinking Dyslexia, which premiered at Sundance and on HBO. Her other credits include producing performances for Dr. Maya Angelou and Margaret Cho while directing Vagina Monologues. Now she is talking about her new film titled Mary Jane's The Women of Weed, which I watched last night and I was incredibly impressed. And I am really absolutely delighted that you could be here today. Wendy, thank you for joining me. Thank you. And thank you for reminding me of those ever so crazy moments. Like the first time you walked into a dispensary, I sat there and I felt it. I was like, right? (laughs) Good. So anyway, thank you for that. Tell me a little bit about that. So in 2014, I moved to Colorado And I was not a cannabis user. So even though adult use for cannabis sales was legal, I didn't really have any interest in trying it. But I couldn't ignore all these amazing stories about women having success in the cannabis industry. So I just kind of filed that away as something I was curious about until 2015. And that's when I heard a statistic that 36% of leadership in the cannabis industry was women. And when you compare that to the national average, which is 22%, there was something about cannabis that was attracting more female leadership. 
So at that point, that piqued my curiosity enough to start interviewing people over the phone, to just try to wrap my head around this concept. And what I soon realized was not only was cannabis a leader in gender parity, but it also included social justice and environmental sustainability. And those three core values had been present in all my other films. And so I realized that even if I was not a cannabis consumer, I could help elevate and celebrate the stories of women who were having success in the industry. And that was a really great opportunity as a filmmaker because the film became an intersectional feminist film that focused on opportunity as opposed to female oppression. I love that about the film. I mean, it really was quite empowering when you, when you see the strength that's coming in. And one of the things that was mentioned by one of your subjects was the fact that women tend to be the nurturers in our society. And if, if more women were running things, there would be a lot less violence and uh, conflict. <laughs> I found that to be really interesting. And that aspect of the woman nurturer is such a core part of the cannabis movement. Did you get the sense from any of them, any fear of what might happen once this does become federally legal and you start getting the male-dominated corporate interests involved? Well, sadly, it's already happening. You know, um, since the film came out on the film festival circuit in 2017, we saw a dip in female leadership in cannabis down to 27%. And I attribute that to the fact that in 2016, we had eight more states come on board with some type of cannabis legalization. And with that, it opened the doors for traditional funding models to come in. And the people that typically fund businesses are old rich white guys and they have a specific way of doing business, right? So they are trying to apply this old world male paradigm for how we do business and what type of companies we fund onto the cannabis movement while it's becoming an industry. So they're not necessarily funding the companies of the activists who helped get patients access or wrote the legalization for people to vote on or got out the vote or, you know, really helped write the corporate responsibility or the equitable uh, business practices that went into how we structure the cannabis industry. And that's part of the growing pains that's happening right now. But we know how to fix that, right? If we look at other industries, the way we're able to encourage and support female leadership and people of color in leadership is we need to provide access to funding and we need to provide access to mentorship. Specifically, we need women and men who are interested in funding women-owned businesses. And then for mentorship, we need to make sure that we're not just comfortable with one diverse face in a boardroom surrounded by a bunch of white guys. We need to make sure that we're mentoring the next round of leaders so that we really do have 50%. I also really loved, you have a scene in there about the NAACP and the efforts to change policies in some of these states that don't allow people convicted of marijuana crimes to enter the business. And in some cases, not even get a medical card. So there's actually a couple different groups that are working on this. Um, I think you're 
specifically talking about a scene when we looked at the Massachusetts legalization efforts. So the woman who helped draft the law that everybody voted on, Shaleen Title, was really instrumental in making sure that if people had a marijuana conviction, whether it was possession or whatever, they may not be excluded from participating in the industry. And that's one way that we help give back to communities that had been targeted by the war on drugs, because we know that people of color are 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for simple possession of marijuana. But we know that use is pretty much equal across all ethnicities. So to rebalance the scales, we need to make sure, number one, that we're expunging criminal records and making sure that people no longer have to bear the burden of getting arrested for something a couple years ago that's now legal in the state. And then we need to make sure that we're offering business accelerator or incubator support so that people learn how to write a business plan, create a pitch deck, speak to investors, and that way they're set up for success to become business owners in this new industry. Yeah, because I think that without those safeguards in place, you, you would have a lack of diversity, uh, for sure. You know, people of color or or gender, uh, gender diversity. So, I mean, kudos for bringing that up, because I think that's one topic that doesn't get so much airplay when people are talking about, you know, the wonders of this uh, substance or the the amazing progress of the industry. I thought it was really, really interesting that 3.7 is actually higher when you compare the people arrested because that really just, that's how many people go into the system. But once arrested, this is something else that one of your subjects talked about. After being arrested, they have a much greater chance if they're people of color or from poor neighborhoods of being incarcerated after that arrest. So I think it, it moves more like four times greater risk of actually being incarcerated at the end of the day. Yeah, you know? and seeing those statistics um, and having those conversations was really what opened my eyes as a cannabis outsider to realize the propaganda that we had been sold. You know, I didn't necessarily start out as a cannabis advocate, but I became one after meeting all of these women who were able to enlighten me and say, here's the data. This is what we know is happening. And I, we just weren't talking about it. So you have some big news. Uh, you were actually awarded twice in the last couple of weeks. Well, it's always wonderful as a filmmaker for to make a film that really resonates with audiences. And um, I'm extremely grateful um, to share that we've actually received two awards recently for the Mary Jane's documentary. So the first we received was a visionary award from the Palm Springs Cannabis Film Festival. And we also received the best documentary pro action award from the Artemis Film Festival. So, we're now a two-time award-winning film, and that's not a bad week to have. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's excellent. Congratulations on Thank that, you. and well-deserved. I mean, your film was, was very eye-opening, and I know that it's going to make a big impact on a lot of people, so congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, 
we're just thrilled that we've created a story that is speaking to an audience in a really powerful way. You know, we can map things out and put together a story structure and make really cool graphics and have wonderful interviews with people like Melissa Etheridge and include great music. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to be able to move the needle forward um, on some of these calls to action for increasing support for female leadership, um, for making sure that as we're building a cannabis industry, we're addressing uh, social justice issues, and that we're doing this from a sustainable perspective. You know, um, a lot of people like to say that anything that we make out of plastic, we can make out of hemp. Well, that's true if we fund it appropriately and we take care of the environment while we're building this industry. You know, we don't want corporate responsibility to be an afterthought. If we're building a new industry, let's do it right from the ground up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And one of the biggest problems facing entrepreneurs in this space or, or innovators, I should say, people who do want to start transitioning off of petrochemicals for making things like, you know, plastic cups or bags or whatever. It, we don't have the infrastructure here in this country yet. And, you know, it's something that I think takes uh, films like yours and messages like those delivered by Melissa to get people to understand, hey, there is some huge opportunity for everyone to prosper with cannabis if only we get out of our own ways. But yeah, and I, I liked how you handled that in the film too and bringing in some of those sinister reasons why cannabis was ever uh, made illegal in the first place. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. It, it's an atrocity of justice, <laughs> the way I look at it, now, now that I know what I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and once you know it, you can't unknow it, you know. So um, that's really why I, I use the word enlightened. You know, I became enlightened on this journey. I saw the light um, shined on the dark, shadowy parts of America. And I, to jump forward... I really think that our uh, current federal administration is forcing us as Americans to wrestle with our shadow selves. You know, I think a, a lot of us, myself included, were really surprised that there was this dark underbelly of America. You know, we hadn't seen it or interacted with it in a long time. And so to just see the fear and the hate bubble up in this country you know, it forces us to reckon with that. And um, I think it's important that we walk the walk, we lead by example, we lead with compassion. Um, and also we can't tolerate intolerance. You know, if people are trying to profit off of exploiting people or the environment, we need to stand up and say, that's not how we're gonna do business in this country anymore. That's a really interesting point. And I think you're right. The only way to remove the, the dark shadow self is to bring it into the light. And I, you know, so yeah, it's a really, really interesting point. Thanks. And I think it takes, you know, cannabis visionaries um, who can deliver that message, you know, I am not the cannabis expert, but I had the wonderful opportunity to interview the experts 
and include 40 of them in a documentary. But within that, you know, part of my social responsibility that I took on was if we're going to show female leadership, what type of women are we going to show? And so I made sure we looked at um, geographical distribution, uh, what type of expertise they had, uh, ages, ethnicities, body types, sexual orientations, all of that. Because what we find is that if we can see it, we can be it. You know, Gina Davis says that in her work. And I think it's really true. You know, representation matters. And so if we want to encourage more people to come into the cannabis industry, we need to show them that there's somebody like them doing it. And it's a safe place and they can do it too. Yeah, you did a really good job of that, actually. And you know something else too, when you were talking to Mara Gordon, for example, I think that so many people use the excuse that, well, we don't have the body of evidence that we need in order to, you know, satisfy the power brokers in Washington and blah, blah, blah. And you talk to someone like Mara Gordon, who has over the last 12 or so years been documenting, like writing down patient histories and documenting what their cannabis dosage has been and what impact that has had on their bodies and the healing that has come from it. And that it's almost as powerful to just make people aware of that as it is having that evidence. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty astonishing that the evidence is out there and it's powerful that you're talking about it. Yeah, it, it's really amazing that part of the lie that we've been told about cannabis is that we don't have any evidence that it works. And once we start looking, we see that there is a plethora of cannabis studies about the efficacy, but that's not the studies that the U.S. government funds. You know, they fund studies to prove the harms of cannabis. So it's been pushed to other scientists or even other countries to do this research for us. Um, and when you start looking at the body of research out there, we actually see that cannabis can be a dosable medication for patients and if we just train the doctors or the medical providers in how to prescribe it to treat certain things, we can then move away from all kinds of other um, pharmaceuticals. But the yeah, pharmaceutical and, companies don't want us to do that, right? Of course not. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, therein lies a big chunk of the problem because they're the ones who are funding campaigns for people who owe them favors later in the game, although they'd be reticent to admit that openly, but we all know that that is absolutely the case. Well, and that's why Arizona was not successful in passing their 2016 uh, adult use initiative. Yeah, well, one of the reasons, and also uh, something I've talked about on this show ad nauseum, because Arizona is where I happen to be, you know, we have a very divided state assembly who never comes together on any issue and they came together almost unanimously to pass hemp legislation hemp right and it was vetoed by the governor you could only imagine that there would be no other reason to veto a bill that brought our very divided assembly together if it weren't for campaign finance by mm -hmm. 
a pharmaceutical company, which makes fentanyl, which is killing people, mm-hmm. um, that received FDA approval to move forward on their synthetic mm-hmm. CBD. <laughs> well, I hope that is part of the campaign for whoever's opposing him when he runs for re-election. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, there there's a really strong cannabis community here in the state of Arizona, surprisingly, you know, given that it's such a conservative state. But we do have a pretty strong community of very, very vocal advocates who do not hesitate to speak their mind. So I'm actually really looking forward to the debates that come up publicly around this issue because I have a feeling whoever advocates for cannabis and likely it'll be David Garcia or whoever's opposing him, hopefully also, but it'll be an interesting fight, I think. And you're right, 205 didn't pass because of those very reasons. And and cannabis is an interesting topic because it doesn't just fall into, you know, the conservative or the liberal thought process. It brings together all types of people. You know, you, we have everyone from libertarians who think the federal government shouldn't be able to tell them what to do to, you know, left-wingers who are pro-environment and (laughs) pro-public schools and, you know, they come from a human rights perspective on, on cannabis. And there's everyone in between that, right? So it really is the next big social topic that we're talking about. You know, we saw this in the marriage equality um, campaign where state by state, they were approving it. And once there was a tipping point, the federal government made a decision. And cannabis... Uh, support is building and we're at that same tipping point. So it's really a matter of, you know, what, whether the federal government's going to do something. Um, it could be the executive branch, it could be Congress, or it could be the judicial system. Like somebody I think is going to wise up and make a decision pretty quickly if they want to make sure they keep their jobs. Well, and and this coming election season especially is going to be um, very telling because there's this sense of trepidation by a lot of people that there's going to be a huge shakeup this year, you know, because of the division in the country and everything else. So it'll be interesting to see how this brings people together. And you're right, it is one of those issues that encompasses so many things that people are very passionate about, whether it be the economy or sustainability or health or uh, social justice or, you know, other, other um, aspects. Yeah, it, it's, you know, everything from getting medicine to children um, to helping our veterans so they're not on as many opioids um, that increase, you know, their, their chances of mental illness and suicide and things like that. I mean, it's, so many it's so many different things um and our ball players our football players yeah there's a lot of professional athletes you're right who would love to use plant medicine as opposed to all these other pharmaceuticals that they're prescribed to protect their bodies and their brains yeah every single day they're given opiates or um, muscle relaxers or you know anti-spasmodic medicine Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know this cocktail of of poison basically that that you know, they wind up becoming addicts and then, you know, with all of the concussive injuries, I mean, we mm-hmm. could go into that for hours, but it's, yeah. it's just really interesting. But again, it's the women 
mm-hmm. who are the, have that nurturing spirit, who are bringing this to light. And, you know, like so many social issues, it's the women who propel these issues forward and uh, bring the compassion into it. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and I think you're right about women leading social movements and social issues. Um, I also will add that it's more than just compassion. You know, I don't want to say compassion is feminine <laughs> and aggression is masculine, right? Um, everybody should be compassionate, in, in my opinion. Um, but what women also bring to the cannabis industry, they see opportunity. So it's an opportunity to create the type of businesses that they want to work in. You know, they don't have to necessarily be the senior vice president of something and see a bunch of men get promoted above them. You know, they can be the CEO and the founder and hire the colleagues that they want to work with. And what we see when we look at female leadership um, across the board of all industries is that women hire more diverse colleagues because we intuitively know that if you have multiple perspectives on things, your business is more successful. If we all think the same way in the board of directors, you're not going to see obstacles and challenges come your way and you'll get blindsided, right? The other Mm -hmm. opportunity women see is they get to create the products that are going to fit into their lifestyle. You know, women aren't necessarily looking for the most THC possible. So they're couch locked for three days. Like we've got stuff to do. We can't do that. (laughs) That's a Um, funny way to put it. (laughs) You know, we can't have the tallest bong ever built in our living room when grandma comes over or we've got small children and things like that. Right? We need products that fit into our lifestyle that have a bit more discretion. So when we want to be open about our use, we can. And when you're meeting with the principal or the CEO of, you know, or whatever, you don't have to publicize your cannabis use because it's not their business unless you want to make it their business. So that's the other opportunity women see in cannabis. And by doing that, they're opening the door because we're moving away from this stoner dude image that is alienating to women and men, right? If you don't see that as yourself, you may not use the product. But if you can have a topical product or something you sublingually, or maybe you dissolve it into a cup of tea, or it you have a odor locked bag so you can store everything and you don't necessarily have to publicize that you have it. I mean, those are the types of things that women are creating. Um, and that's, what's going to move the cannabis industry to that next level. You know, we're already close to a $10 billion industry. If we don't have female leadership, it's not going to grow to the $50 billion industry that we think it can. Yeah. So true. So true. So, Hey, this is Melissa Etheridge. I just wanted to make sure you all knew I was here. Ah, wonderful. Hi. Hey, Melissa. This is Wendy. Great to speak with you. Thank you for joining. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was having a great time listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your time. And wow, there's so much to talk about. Wendy, I'm going to go back to that thought after this quick break. So stick around because when we come back, we'll be joined by the one and only Melissa Etheridge. Snowden Bishop, the Cannabis Reporter, will be right back after these. 
Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. You're busy. Running around from work to kids to evening events, healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids, by the way. You can eliminate doctor office visits with 24-7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. You're listening to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, here with filmmaker Wendy Borman, talking about her amazing film, Mary Jane's The Women of Weed. And I am absolutely delighted to introduce you to our next guest, joining us by phone, she is an accomplished recording artist who has been advocating for social justice since her career began three decades ago. As a singer, songwriter, and guitarist, she is best known for her melodic blend of rock, pop, and soulful Americana with compassionate lyrics brought to life through her sultry vocals. She's a two-time Grammy Award winner with 15 Grammy nominations to her credit. And in 2007, a recording of Need to Wake Up won an Academy Award for Best Original Song featured in the groundbreaking documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. She's an activist for a variety of causes from LGBT to climate change. And as a cancer survivor who found healing through cannabis, she has become one of the most outspoken advocates for compassionate care and uses her music platform to raise awareness. I am delighted to introduce the one and only Melissa Etheridge. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the work you've been doing. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a labor of love, I have to say. Yeah. It's been quite a journey, and I know you've been at it probably longer than I have even. I started in 2010 was when I wrote an article about cannabis for the very first time. But Mm. uh, Wendy and I were just talking about the film and the gender parity that there have been gaps closed in the cannabis industry. And really, it's all owed to these very powerful women who are bringing compassion and healing to the world through this industry. And I'm really interested to hear how you became such an ardent advocate. And I know that it has to do with what you've spoken about quite a bit, which is your journey with cancer and finding healing through cannabis. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I've had a really fun life and an interesting life and, and, you know, uh, made the music and climbed the mountaintop and yay. And then, you know, life happens and you start realizing there's more to it. And then the health crisis comes. And that's when I really sat down and and let some things in that I had been witness to. One is what you were talking about, the, the feminine force and healing. Coming from the women's communities in the 80s and the 90s, I was surrounded by very strong women that, 
you know, spoke of, of health and spoke of, you know, the alternative and the homeopathic and plant medicine and all this stuff that was all this pagan stuff that goes back that we used to be burned at the stake for. But now it's coming through because it's needed because of the failure of allopathic medicine. And so when I went on my cancer journey and realized, you know, what they were offering me was a whole bunch of chemicals to put on top of the chemical wash that they were giving my body as a, you know, chemotherapy, I, I found cannabis and, and started using it as medicine, which was very different than the social way that I was using it, you know, before just not, I, I, I was rarely, rarely did I use it. And starting to use it every day to to understand my own health and searching my own consciousness, you know, exploring my consciousness is a means to health and and understanding, you know. And we're we're just cannabis is just the tip of this iceberg, and and that's why, you know, you'll hear many of us in the last decade talking about you know a paradigm shift. Well, that's what's happening here, and cannabis is leading the way, going through all the proper channels. And, you know, unfolding, yeah, it's kind of messy, but it's really exciting. It really is. And how, how did you and Wendy become involved in this film together? Because I saw the film last night and I was enthralled throughout. And I just thought that the journey of women was just such a great way to approach this topic. How did you start working on that? Well, Wendy contacted me, you know, and when I it, when it was women and cannabis, I was like, yeah, when when <laughs> those are two of my favorite things. So um, I knew this was a message, and I knew she she had a message to get out, and I knew she was putting it together in a way that I could completely support and I could speak my mind in it, and she really let me do that. Yeah, it's fantastic, and um, you, you're recording an album right now. Does it have anything to do with the advocacy that you're involved with right now? Hmm. Let me think. There's a couple of references, but I've always believed that my best advocacy is to be the best person I can be and to do my best every day and for and to tell the truth so people understand I am an artist who believes and uses cannabis as medicine and as a as a piece of my life a part of my life and so that's going to be a part of my music too you know it's very influential uh, creatively also so you know that's that's just the that's my advocacy there is for people to know that you know i'm i'm curious from an artist's point of view because i hear a lot of people talking about how how cannabis is actually helping them to open up that right brain free-flowing mm-hmm creativity and all of that. Did you notice a difference? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. The, the opening of yeah, the balance is what I call it is it's, it's, I believe our, our bodies and our spirits and that is always wanting balance. And this is what cannabis does so well. It's, it's what, you know, we, we reach for when we reach for chemicals, but cannabis does it harmlessly and and naturally and in a way that is in harmony with nature and so this this balance when i um partake of it it just it makes me a better person it makes me a better mother it makes me um part of you know this this human community and this 
you know, connection with nature and, and it makes my life richer and it makes my music. Oh, so much more enjoyable, I believe. <laughs> well, certainly your music has always been enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, it's, Thank it's you. Like, I wonder how often you encounter people who question your support of the cannabis movement. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, only at the border when I was arrested. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, tell yeah. me about that. <laughs> oh no, that was that was me being very. It was last year actually. You know the the Jeff Sessions talking empowerment sort of stuff. It was a North Dakota border crossing from Canada, and I was careless and had a had a uh, a vape pen, and well, that's you know. So it, they went through all this stuff. I of course I didn't course i'm a middle-aged white woman so i i didn't have to worry about jail or anything and you know it was, it was just a really unfortunate but that you know that it's just it was funny because the sheriff who actually ended up booking me kept apologizing to me because north dakota just passed their medicinal law and then but they didn't have any guidelines and he was like i'm sorry i'm sorry he just kept I'm like it's okay buddy it's all right you're just doing your job this is this is what needs to change is these rules that everyone's been following that you know need to be looked at and changed and that's what we're doing you know I've, i hear about that all the time people even crossing from states that regulate medical into or, or out of states that re, uh, regulate for adult use into states that re yeah. regulate only for medicinal and especially right before california passed its or actually enacted its new adult use uh, rule I heard a lot of people just driving back and forth between Arizona and California being stopped by the dogs that are there supposedly under the immigration ice and and all of the the officers that are there to check for illegal immigration and you know they get pulled over all the time because they're carrying their medicine with them thinking well you know I'm going from one state to another both have medical laws so what's the big deal but apparently that remains one of the biggest problems. Wendy, did that come up at all for you in your interviews? Well, we definitely spoke to people that had various backgrounds and experiences with cannabis. We didn't end up including so much of the differences state by state in the film because we wanted the focus to be on female leadership and corporate responsibility, but it, always comes up in film screenings and Q&As. I mean, we did a screening in Oklahoma City earlier this year because Oklahoma is voting on a medical cannabis initiative in June. And people came up to me in tears during the screening saying, I can't see my grandchildren because I use cannabis instead of opioids. There was a doctor who was from Colorado and had driven to Oklahoma. And because she had Colorado license plates, she got pulled over and arrested and had to call her dad to bail her out of jail. Um, so she didn't have to stay there all weekend and miss speaking about the benefits of medical cannabis. And we just forget that there are states like that that are ground zero for this type of work. You know, when we stay in our bubbles of Colorado or California or, you know, these other states where people can consume openly, 
um, we just forget what's at stake for other people to do the same. Yeah, it is. It's hard. It's hard to remember what that was like, you know, for for people who had to, you know, th there are so many people in this country who are cannabis refugees at this point, you yeah. know, and you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't unlearn the knowledge about the medical benefits. I mean, yeah. and and that must be a little bit strange for you too, Melissa, going because when you're touring and you go into states that are not regulation states, just to think how far behind they are in terms of the stigma and acceptance. Yeah, it is very difficult. And uh, it, it's a problem with my medicine and how, how I, where I'm taking it, where I'm not, and if I can have it. And, and it, it, yeah, it is a problem. And it's, just crazy times right now and uh, hopefully it's all leading to it reminds me of the the uh, same-sex marriage uh things when state by state would do it and little by little and things and things and finally it was just like okay bam and i'm hoping i'm waiting for the bam when we can all you know agree on one thing and and sort of it, it be it be allowed it be an alternative and, and, and it's going to change a whole lot of stuff but man it's so where we need to be yeah you know with the lgbt movement and the the gay marriage initiatives that were going on in the states it seemed like that's right you know little by little it was happening and you know there was still the advocacy out there for it and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and at the supreme court there was a celebration going on and now it just seems so yeah. normal but yet like with cannabis that has come so far in terms of the acceptance and the knowledge base that's out there in the general public and the mainstream media, then all of a sudden you have these factions come in, take power and want to undo those liberties that just now seem so normal. I mean, you know, you hear noises about it in, in Congress a lot, you know, from people who are trying to satisfy a very small constituency in the United States who, you know, somehow believes that we're all going to go to hell in a handbasket if, if cannabis <laughs> becomes legal or if, if uh, two people who of the same sex decide that they love each other enough to get married. <laughs> Just, it's yeah. mind-boggling to me. Well, I've always, I've always told people that I feel, I have a belief that when change is happening, when you are in, in the midst of it, when, when you are moving ahead into that uncharted territory, that you end up shining a light on, on a lot of ugly stuff that had been hidden because we're moving into a new light. So I saw that with, with LGBT uh, movement and, and marriage. I saw, I mean, people would say just horrible things about, you know, I have four children. It was, you know, that, I, that I'm unfit to you know, be a mother and all this crazy stuff, you know, and and it's it comes from their own fear and then their their own deep dark place of you know places I don't want to know about but that's it comes from that and so when when we're looking at the cannabis movement same thing we are we are pulling everyone into the light about opioids about uh, pharmaceuticals about our, our old uh, stereotypes about the cannabis user about uh, our past history in the AMA I mean we we are shining a huge light and there are a lot of people who are filled with a lot of fear about that. So we're going to see some ugly stuff coming up. And that's just what happens right before a, a big change. I've noticed that too. 
I have. And I think that, and you touched on this, Wendy, in the film, I think that this is going to open up the doors for environmental concerns. I mean, you know, once, mm -hmm. once we can get the special interests out of the way and have our representatives actually take action on something that never should have been ostracized like cannabis has been for the last 80 years. I mean, it was mm -hmm. unjust. The, the scheduling of cannabis in Schedule 1 was completely mm -hmm. a lie to begin with, but the whole thing is just it's so devastating to so many people. I mean, millions of people have had their families ripped apart and stuff like that. But once we get those special interests out of the way, it almost sets a precedent for how we can approach getting the same special interests out of the way to take care of some of our most fundamental problems, such as undrinkable water. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I heard from some cannabis activists who've been working to legalize for a very long time. Um, and they specifically connected the dots about money, like in our society, sadly, um, money talks. And there was a lot of money to be had by keeping cannabis illegal because people could profit mm. off of the war on drugs and private prisons and underemployment and things like that. Well, now that people are seeing that we can make billions with a B in cannabis, Magically, people are changing their minds. I mean, you have some very conservative thought leaders who are now coming out and saying, oh, I guess it's not so bad. They're not yet undoing all the terrible things that they did to incarcerate black and brown people, but they're going to sit on the board and make a billion dollars. But even that is a crack in, a, in the doorway for us to have those conversations, right? And now that we can start educating politicians, business owners, community leaders, um, religious leaders about this plant um, and connect the dots for them. I, I think we're going to see the majority go up from, you know, 64% of Americans to almost 100% of Americans. And the politicians will jump on the bandwagon if they want to keep their jobs. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, it really is a matter of awareness, isn't it? And what must be really nice for you, Melissa, is to be able to use that that platform and the audiences that are, you know, captivated by your music, obviously, to to be able to use that as a launch pad for this kind of advocacy. Well, when I having gone through again, I I, I have to compare it to the LGBT movement. When I came out as a lesbian in 93, I didn't, I didn't know. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I, I saw that all I did as I walked through you know, the next few years was to just speak truthfully and answer the questions. And that's then how I chose to, to, to be in the cannabis space is, is when I when I said, okay, this, this is a, an important part of my recovery and I, I plan to be a, a cancer thriver and, you know, and, you know, for years and years. So I want people to know. And so I started speaking about it and it, I, you know, I certainly don't, you know, preach it from the stage. I've never have preached anything from the stage. It's just about the music, but in answering questions in those articles and in things and offering my time to, you know, special cannabis, uh, 
programs like yours to just speak that message, then people find that. And now with social media, my goodness, it just, it gets right out there. So um, it, uh, just by answering the questions and speaking my truth, that, that seems to be the best advocacy work I can do. Yeah, well, it certainly, it certainly does hold more weight when people are familiar with those who are about an issue. It, in a way, it lends the kind of uh, credence to it that people who are lesser known could have for it and you know and it's so important and and for filmmakers as well to bring this into public awareness it's just such an important uh, part of the journey i'd say well thank you and where i feel the mary jane's film um is able to tap into other audiences it really comes from the perspective of speaking to the skeptics, you know, like Melissa is a wonderful spokesperson for all the work that she does and she's walking the walk. Right. And it, so if we can include women of her caliber in a conversation, but have it be a safe invitation for people, you know, we're not necessarily coming from the perspective in the Mary Jane's film that everybody needs to get stoned. You know, I, <laughs> am an on-camera skeptic. I go on this journey and eventually become enlightened by the end of the film because I spoke to 40 amazing women who are leading in this space, right? And the mind shift that happens just over that 90-minute film in screenings is amazing. I mean, I have women coming up to me saying, I'm finally going to go to a dispensary and get something for my rheumatoid arthritis, or mm -hmm. I'm finally going to take my mom in so we can get her off some of these pharmaceuticals and get her back on plant medicine, or I'm going to go talk to my partner because I now have a little bit more information and we can have an educated conversation about how does this come into our home, right? And so by having it be that safe place where I can ask the silly questions that they probably have, I find that we're winning over more women. And we know that women make the majority of the household purchase decisions and the health and wellness decisions in their families. So yeah. really want to move this forward, talk to the women. And that's what mm -hmm. we're doing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, sister. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know what, Wendy, that was very powerful about the film um, be, it, because what happened is you made it entirely believable for people who had those awkward moments. Like I said in the beginning, you know, it's that sense of awkwardness because of that thick fog of stigma that's been with us for so long. You know, it, it, it's almost a cause for a little bit of embarrassment or a little bit of like, ooh, I'm not the cool person here who should know all about this stuff. Um, but it's, I think it's super powerful for people. Well, and, and because I've been an advocate for so long, it's hard to remember what that was like. But I can imagine that it, it was super powerful for people who still hold that stigma as truth, who still believe that marijuana is the gateway drug to all evil. <laughs> So kudos for that. I mean, seriously, that was that was brilliantly conceived and well delivered. So congratulations. 
thank you. And it was authentic too. You know, I had started out as not understanding cannabis. I had literally never tried it before and I had ample opportunity, <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. never something I was interested in. But, you know, once I heard from these powerful, intelligent women, I realized that part of my journey needed to be to try it. And we could make that an empowering educational experience for folks at home. So, you know, as a woman, I could choose what I wanted. I could put together a group of women who could guide me through the process. Um, It was all very consensual and safe. Um, And it was a lot of fun, too. I don't want to give away the ending of the film for everybody, but definitely (laughs) stick around for the end. (laughs) Well, it was definitely worth <laughs> sticking around for the end, so um, we won't give away any of the any of the punchlines. But uh, you know, it it really was well done, and I really got a lot out of what you said too, Melissa. And I think it is so Thank important you. to share that ever so personal journey of healing and you know, the way that this has affected you, because you know, it is completely authentic, like Wendy's story is authentic, and it's powerful. It's powerful to hear that that personal um, admission. And I think also you mentioned when you came out. Um, I think that that empowered so many other people to embrace who they are, and to feel good about their lives for you know for a change for some of them. I mean, you hear about a lot of teenage suicide and people just feeling like they've been ostracized from their families or they just don't fit in or whatever because of who they are. And I mean, that is very powerful and, you know, congratulations to you too. Thank you so much. So if you had a a last takeaway, um, Melissa, that you would want Mm -hmm. people to know most about you, about your advocacy um, what you hope for the future, um, what would mm-hmm. that be? Well, I would say, I would hope that people understand or maybe start to get the idea that it's about this human experience. You know, it's about, you know, I'm in my late fifties now and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of things and seen a lot of things and been around a few times and it is about quality, you know, of, of, of this experience and what are you going to give your power to and what are you going to give your thoughts to because that's that's where your power lies is is whatever you're fearing and thinking and I I would hope that maybe people could look at me and my my journey and and see that we have more power than we ever thought we did and it's and it's inside it's in ourselves and it's in the choices that we make and I would hope that my life and my music inspires people to be in spirit because that's where inspire comes from, to be in spirit when they make those choices. And it's been a pleasure to be on your radio show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate your time and I wish you absolutely the best of luck with your new album. I can hardly wait to hear it. So I'll definitely be putting information about you on the post when we archive this episode so thank you thank you thank you so much being here and thank you wendy for all your work oh thank you melissa all right bye-bye you guys thank you bye-bye
Ah, wonderful. Isn't um, she amazing? <laughs> she's, she's amazing. I could just feel her warmth you know, through the phone. It was great. So I'm going to ask you what I asked Melissa. So if there's one last takeaway that you would like for um, people to know about you or about uh, your work or about what you hope for the future, what would that be? I really hope that the people who see the Mary Jane's documentary view it as an invitation to have a conversation, whether that's with family member, um, a medical provider, maybe even some colleagues. But my hope is that we demystify cannabis so they have a starting point to just ask some questions, right? If they're a bit more curious than they were before and we can move away from dogma to, you know, open-mindedness. That's our access point to have this conversation. And no matter how they come at it, whether it's a health and a wellness product, whether it's a business opportunity or a social justice or a sustainability issue, like there is an access point for the audience to see how cannabis could fit into their life and their community. You know what, that is definitely word for the wise. So I am getting the signal that it is time for us to start wrapping this up. But thank you so much for being with me today, Wendy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be able to talk about progress we're making in the cannabis industry with you. Absolutely it is. So oh, once again, a show must come to a close. These conversations are hard to end. They're just compelling. I'd like to personally thank my guests, Wendy Borman and Melissa Etheridge for sharing their insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about the work that they are doing, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click podcast to find today's episode and I will post their bios and photos and information about Wendy's film and about Melissa's music so that you can find them. We have a lot of others to thank. First, I would like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle, Health Terra, and Compassionate Certification Centers. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Eric Goodall for our theme song, Evergreen, our engineers at DigiLabs for making a shine, and I'd also like to thank our program directors at XRQK Radio Network and Society Bites for distributing our show. And last but not least, Thank you to all of you for listening around the nation. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen's cold.